Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Hello friends, this is Dr. Stephanie and welcome to a special edition of the podcast. We are going to be talking today about coronavirus. So this is, I know that you are probably very saturated at this point with information around the coronavirus. What I wanted to do today, because I have been asked from multiple sources what my opinion is, I've been relatively silent on the issue and I wanted to go over some facts. I want to talk about how, what you can do right now to help the mitigation of the virus and to give you a little insight in terms of what we are doing at home as well. And just to give you a little bit of background and full transparency here, I was completely not paying attention to this virus until late last week and early this week. So I held the opinion that this was very similar to SARS. I remember being in uh, my last year of school and not being able to write my radiology finals because I was in one of the hospitals that uh, during my internship, there was a case of SARS. So I was quarantined uh, personally for, I can't remember how long it was now. I want to say three months or something like that. So I missed my, my radiology finals and it ended up being you know, not the big pandemic that we thought it was going to be. And my initial response to hearing about the breakout in China was, oh, this is just like another SARS. It's, people are going to overhype it and it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be over before you know it. It's the winter season, blah, blah, blah. And I am very happy to tell you that I was completely wrong in my thinking. And I have done a 180 in terms of my thoughts on the coronavirus, its virility, its uh, lethality. And I really am disappointed to see a lot of people in the online space who are just poking fun at it, who are making silly TikTok videos about it, who are talking about this being a conspiracy and I just wanted to separate a little bit of fact from sensationalization, and I wanted to talk about, more, most importantly, how this affects you and how you can respond to this in an appropriate way. So the first thing I want to just talk about is the difference between panic and overreacting. So I am very happy in a few months for someone to say, you know what, Estima, you totally overreacted to this, and that's fine. I... At this point, with the data that I have looked at, with the information that I've been able to assemble, I'm very happy to have overreacted versus underreacting. And um, 
So that's one thing. So it's okay to overreact. And when we say overreact, you can understand just from a neurological perspective, our brains, we are hardwired for survival. We are hardwired to whenever we feel panic or fear, or there is a perceived threat, whether that's real or, or not. If we think that there is a threat to our humanity, to our lives, we will get into panic mode. And this is why you are seeing people clear out shelves in grocery stores and we are seeing that kind of behavior. So I just want to say, tell you for a moment to have compassion for whatever opinion you hold about the coronavirus. I want you to just have compassion for your fellow humans who may not necessarily know the difference. And it's completely understandable that they would be reacting that way. Now, what I am doing is I am trying to limit the amount of information that I take in about the coronavirus because it can be overwhelming. So I would suggest if you are somebody who is trying to think about stress management, which is very important in a time like this, to be limiting the sources that you are reading about it. So I would be going to sources like the WHO, the World Health Organization, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, and I'll link those out in the show notes for you. And there's a couple of wonderful articles. There's one particularly on Medium that really outlines the uh, how the coronavirus has become this worldwide problem. The title of it is Coronavirus Act Today or People Will Die. So big title, um, but it really does. It's a very much a non-hysterical approach to the way that we can deal with corona. And there's a couple things I, I want you to assume here. And this is done from a place of not panicking, but I want you to be prepared. I want you to be prepared for the idea that the coronavirus is coming to you. It is going to be coming to your city, to your town, and it will like a hockey stick. If you can imagine a hockey stick curve on a graph, it will come gradually. You might hear one or two cases, and then it is going to explode. And if we don't take measures right now, it is very likely that our healthcare system, our healthcare workers will be affected by this. They will be overwhelmed. And um, like we're seeing in Italy right now, the there's no such thing as a break for these healthcare workers. They are exhausted. They are infected. And some of them will unfortunately die. So we want to be implementing measures as quickly as we can. So the thing I wanted to talk to you about is what you can do. We can talk about all the data around Corona, but the truth of the matter is, as many of us really don't know, there's been some, uh, I've read some uh, reports on how it is very different than the flu. So it attacks a different receptor site. So the flu, uh, if you ever had the flu, it is just pandemonium. You feel nauseous, you feel chills, you feel muscle aches, maybe you're vomiting, maybe you have diarrhea, maybe you can't keep any food down. It is just your immune system's uh, way of expelling the virus through any means that it can. With the coronavirus, what we see is that the symptoms, while you may, uh, for the uh, for the most part, you may start off with a sore fever or a sore throat or a fever. What quickly happens is we we start to see the lungs collapsing, collapsing, and potentially effects on the heart as well. So the receptor site that the coronavirus attacks is different than the traditional strains of the flu. 
uh, it is from my understanding. And at this point, I don't have a full understanding. And I also should say, I'm not an infectious disease specialist. Uh, so I am just sharing what information I have amalgamated. I consider myself a very good aggregator of information. So I want to share that with you, but by no means am I an infectious disease specialist. Uh, and so use, so take that with a grain of salt when you are listening to me and what I am, what I'm telling you. But my understanding of COVID-19 is that it attacks a receptor uh, cell that is involved in producing surfactants. So when we think about the lungs and we think about as you, as you move into more, when you look at more of the microscopic uh, compounds or structures in the lungs, we have these things, if you remember from high school biology, called alveoli. And the reason why we have such a great surface area or we're able to extract as much oxygen as we can from the air is because of this thing called surfactant. And COVID-19, it looks like it is affecting the ability of your alveoli to produce surfactant. So again, in the same way that we see in the population, a couple of cases, it's gradual, and then all of a sudden there's an explosion. The same is true for our lungs. We start to see a couple of receptor sites being attacked, and then you see the lungs completely collapsing in on themselves. And it might also, this might also might be true for our myocytes and our heart as well. So this is why it is very important for when we, when we talk about populations who are affected, we anyone who has a history of pulmonary uh, disease or pulmonary issues, so history of pneumonia, history of bronchitis, um, uh, obstructive pulmonary uh, disease, the older population, uh, smokers, of course, these are at a higher risk. But what we also know is people who are obese, which is going to be the problem, I think, in North America, because we have I think we have more people who are obese than we have smokers. And the last estimates that I, um, of my understanding is about 45 to 50% of the uh, population in the United States and in Canada is considered obese. And of that 20% are considered morbidly obese. So you are already in a state of inflammation. You are already in a state where you have pro-inflammatory cytokines, pro-inflammatory pathways, and your resilience, if you will, your cellular grit and your resilience to a pulmonary disease is going to be attenuated, it's going to be lowered. So the best way, and this is flying in the face of many of my colleagues who are online right now and, and like I said, making ridiculous TikTok videos and talking about this being a police state and it's just brainwashing and all of this stuff, the best thing you can do right now is to stay home. This is what is being called social distancing. And of course, how far you want to take that is is truly uh, a personal decision. I think you have to take into account who in your immediate family potentially may be at risk. If you are a vector for an, you know, an infection vector for potentially infecting them, your own your own family status, who in your family is older, and when we say older, we're uh, the reports that I'm reading are defining it as over uh, 65 or 70. So, who uh, if it's your parents, if they have any cardiovascular blood pressure regulation issues, or if they're overweight, they are going. You want to be thinking about protecting yourself from them. And um, 
social distancing, as I was saying, has a cost to it. It obviously has a financial cost. It has an economic cost, uh, like a micro and a macroeconomic cost. It also has a as a mental and social cost as well. So what I'm seeing in the event spaces, and I am getting a bit of a sneak peek into this because my partner Giovanni runs. He has he has memberships, but he also, as part of that, runs in-person events is we are seeing that a lot of these events are being now uh, billed and moved to virtual events. So there's still opportunity for you to be connecting with people. It's just going to be URL uh, versus IRL. So it's going to be on the web versus in real life IRL. A couple of things around what you can do specifically. One, wash your hands. And what we are doing right now, our children are on March, March break right now, and we will be keeping them home. So they have a two-week March break. They're at an independent school. Most schools have a week. They have, a, they have an extra week. But we are going to be keeping them home. And I am going to be taking on the, the gargantuan, Herculean task of homeschooling them. And that's going to be fun. But I am going to be keeping them home because of their grandparents. So they have older grandparents uh, who we, and while children don't seem to be as affected by this as adults are, we also don't want our children to be vectors for and proxies for infection to their grandparents. And I also have a history of uh, pneumonia about 10 years ago. I just kept getting infected over and over bronchitis and then upper respiratory issues and then pneumonia and over and over again, I couldn't kick it. So I definitely know that I have some scar tissue and a uh, an inherent weakness there. So kids are staying home until this whole thing blows over. So I will keep you updated on that and how that goes. Uh, we are disinfecting and washing our hands maniacally. We are all staying home and we are all practicing social distancing. So what that means is no playdates, unfortunately. Even our cousins who we love, uh, we are basically distancing ourselves from everyone. So the people that are in the house are the only, the only people that are in the house are me, my partner, and my, and my children. A couple of things for you to be wary of as well is if your place of work allows you to work from home, I think that would be wonderful. And you should even ask for it, even if they're not offering it. But think about things like, I want you to think about things like elevator buttons. I want you to think about door handles. I want you to think about tables. These can also be really potent vectors for infection because the virus is, while it is primarily transmitted through respiratory, uh, through air droplets, so you can be up to six feet away from someone and still be infected by them. The virus can still live and we don't know exactly when. The reports are somewhere between uh, several hours to several days. So if you are touching elevator buttons or you are opening and closing doors, uh, shaking hands, um, or just sitting at a table at a restaurant or at a cafe or a bar, that can be a potent area or a potent means for transmission. So the other thing that we're doing, we are obviously, we live in a home, so there's no elevator buttons. We're not leaving. Uh, door handle, uh, we have disinfected our door handles, but we are also disinfecting our mail. So the mailman will come and put a letter uh, or a package or what have you in the mailbox, and we are disinfecting everything that comes into the home. Now, 
What I, I want to say is as early as you can implement the social distancing, the better. I know that it may seem like an overreaction. I've had, I've been scheduled to speak at events coming in the next couple of uh, weeks, a couple of local ones in Toronto and a couple in the United States. Now the United, the ones that were in the United States, they've all been canceled. They've all been moved uh, to later in the summer and even in the ones in Toronto, I've had the heads of the uh, people who are running the events ask uh, my opinion. And it is my opinion that this should not be taken lightly. The time of onset, to, so when we think about the, the point of infection to when we see symptoms is somewhere around 12 to 14 days. So you could be completely asymptomatic, but doing a swab in your mouth would, would show that you have tens of thousands of active, virulent uh, virus particles. So it is very important that you understand that you may be infected. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to go to the hospital and you're going to have a severe uh, response to this. What we know is there's about, when we think about the um, the severity of the disease, we know that the uh, about eighty percent or so. And I'm just, if you can give me a moment here, I'm just pulling up a chart. Uh, so about eighty point nine percent in terms of the seriousness of the symptoms, it feels like the flu. About thirteen point eight percent of people who are infected, uh, they require hospitalization. And of the 13.8 who require hospitalization, 4.7% are in critical intensive care, meaning that they need um, supplementary oxygen and different interventions for them. So I also just want to mention that this is important. So 80.9%, so about 81% of the people who are infected, the seriousness of the symptoms, it is mild. It is like the flu or considerably mild. And a couple of other things that you can do, and I want to just mention, so the most important thing is a social distancing and disinfecting anything that has the potential to come into the home. So if you have a housekeeper or you have cleaners that come in, asking them to wash their hands before they start, disinfecting the mailboxes as we've been doing, disinfecting the doorknob as we've been doing, don't touching elevator buttons, that sort of thing. There are some natural things that you can also do, but these are not specific to COVID-19. So this is the other thing that is, uh, that is, I don't know if I can say angers, but I am just generally annoyed at the irresponsibility that I'm seeing online around people trying to hack their supplements and sell things in light of this. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do those things. Of course, you, you know, act actively taking measures to improve your own health measures, whether that be reducing inflammation, whether that is taking supplements, getting enough sleep and stress managing. These things are all important that you should be doing anyway, and you should be particularly shining a light in those things right now because you want to make yourself the healthiest version of yourself. But in no way are these directly related to your ability to uh, to resist or to have the uh, to to be able to fight uh, the coronavirus. These are general practices. So we're gonna. I just want to make that clear because I've seen a couple of things online that I, I think are relatively irresponsible. So a couple things that we can do. First things first, sleep. First domino, it's always sleep. If you are not sleeping 
at least eight hours a night, you are setting yourself up for hormonal derangement. You are setting yourself up for pro-inflammatory pathways. You're probably going to be craving more simple carbohydrates, more crap, um, processed foods, and things of that nature. So we want to make sure that you are able to get a good night's sleep. And I know that this is coming in the face of a time where it can be very scary and we don't have a lot of the information around the lethality and the, you know, the, the virility of, of this virus and this pandemic. But as much as you can, trying to set yourself up for a wonderful morning routine. So things like meditation, which is going to neurologically bring you into your executive center in your brain, which is involved in dampening that panic response. So if you can get into your frontal lobe by meditating, by exercising, by taking a cold shower, these things are going to wake up your frontal lobe and that is going to help you with your stress management. And that's going to lower your anxiety levels through the day. And then in the evening, of course, some of the basics in terms of sleep hygiene, we want to make sure that we have a dark room as much as we can, a cool room. And if you can take some time, if you are staying at home, to declutter your sleeping space. I always say tongue in cheek, like your bedroom should be for sleeping and sex. And that's about it. It shouldn't, it's not a place for work. It's not a place to watch Netflix. It's not a place to look on your social media because your brain is an incredibly associative organ. So if you are constantly looking at the news while you're in bed, you're not going to be able to have a deep restful sleep. And you're also not going to be able to coordinate some of the, the intricate dances that happen in, in, in order for you to initiate and to maintain sleep. So we're talking here about, of course, melatonin, adenosine, uh, cortisol, and some other hormones. So sleep is the most important thing that you can make sure that you're doing. And in order for you to be getting eight hours of sleep, uh, friends, you need to be in bed for at least nine hours, right? So if we just assume that it's going to take you 20 to 30 minutes to drift off to sleep and then another 20 or 30 to slowly come out of that um, that sleep consciousness and back into uh, wakefulness. So making sure that sleep is important. And I've already blended that with a few stress management strategies. So things like meditation, making sure that you are exercising. So this is a time for you. If this has always been on the back burner and you are at home, it would be a wonderful time for you to be engaging in any type of activity. I am, of course, very much a proponent of resistance training. So if you have the ability to you know, get some heavy, can't, if you have canned goods that you've stocked up on, use those as your weights if you don't have a home gym. You can also just do basic calisthenics where you are using your own body weight to uh, push up against gravity. So things like squats and lunges, and you can make those plyometric by doing jumping squats and jumping lunges. You can do push-ups which is particularly important for my ladies who, for whatever reason, we don't work on our upper body. We don't have a lot of upper body strength. And I want you to be able to push your own body weight off when you're doing a push-up. And a push-up is on, on your toes, not on your knees. So resistance training is very important. Of course, things like yoga are wonderful. Pilates are wonderful because these are also going to be very much parasympathetic in their nature. You're working on your breath. You're approaching tension and allowing that tension to dissipate. So very big fan of yoga, particularly kundalini yoga, which is something that I have been getting into like a maniac lately. And I'll probably do a, an AMA and we can talk about it on another AMA or another episode. So we have sleep, we have stress reduction techniques, we have exercise and movement therapy, which again is very heavy to the frontal lobe and will help you with your making the best decisions that are not made out of panic. 
Your nutrition is also very important here as well. So I know you hear of the stories of people cleaning out the pantries and all that stuff. As much as you can, try to be eating whole foods, try to be eating um, good sources of protein, lots of fat to keep you satiated. We have a home delivery service where we, and I'll plug True Local here and I'll put it in the show notes, but we have a delivery every month of meat from... uh, organically, you know, grass-fed, grass-finished beef. It's organic in in its designation and they're local. So we get them from local farms. I'm based in in Toronto. So we get them from local farms in, uh, in Ontario. And so there's lots of things like this in the States. There's butcher box and things like that. So it, 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 it serves two things. One, I don't have to go out to the grocery store to get it. So I'm still con- uh, continuing to socially uh, distance myself. And it's still really good quality meat. And because we are such a fresh fruit and fresh, fresh vegetable home, we have been stocking up on frozen organic fruits and vegetables in the event that we are not able to go out and get fresh produce. So suffice it to say, we are probably going to be more leaning to more towards the carnivore diet if we're not able to get vegetables in the interim. And then also practicing our fasting. And I've talked about fasting a lot and there's a lot of other episodes that you can review in terms of how you can begin fasting. And this would be a wonderful time to be able to do that as well. And if you are, uh, so in terms of supplements, again, these are not coronavirus proof, but these are just general things for your immune system. It's important that you are taking a omega-3 Uh, fatty acid. So upwards of at least one gram a day. But if you are, if you are someone who is overweight or you have a, uh, uh, already you are at risk, things like um, uh, cardiovascular disease, or you have high blood pressure, or you uh, are someone with a history of pulmonary disease, you may want to be increasing your fish oils up to two grams. And of course, I would always do this with a primary healthcare provider, someone who understands supplementation. Vitamin D is very important. At this time of year, uh, at least on the East Coast, we are starting to come out of our winter and moving into spring. So I am taking at least two to 4,000 international units of vitamin D a day. And there are other uh, supplements that you can be taking that are generally really wonderful for pulmonary health. One is N-acetylcysteine or NAC for short. And I will link all of these supplements uh, for you if you want to read up on them. And I can link the ones that I use if that is of interest to you as well. So those are my overarching thoughts and views on the coronavirus. As I said, wasn't really paying attention to it. And now it is here. I want you to assume that the coronavirus is where you are right now. Um, And I want you to, as much as possible, to be socially distancing yourself. Now, I am, of course, this is an opportunity for me to connect more deeply with you, either through this podcast and through the information that I can share with you, because we don't need to be face-to-face in order for you to get this information. You are a subscriber to the podcast uh, to get this. And I think that this is an opportunity for us to really reevaluate what some of our priorities are. If there's things that you have been putting off, like losing weight or reducing your inflammation or getting better sleep or to be working out more, this is the opportunity for you to do so. And this is an opportunity for us to connect more deeply 
online. A lot of times we look at the social media and we poo-poo all over it and there's good reason to do that, but this is we need each other more than ever now and you have more power than you think. So I want this to be an opportunity for you not to be not to be panicking and not to think that the world is coming to an end, but that you have the reserves within, you have the power within yourself to make a real change here. And you can do that through social distancing and you can do that through some of the health proxies that we've discussed. So making sure that you're sleeping well, moving well, you're managing your stress well, you're getting your nutrition back on point if that's been something that you, that has been a struggle for you. And these are just foundational basics, right? So these are just sometimes when we have these scary, uncertain times, it really is about tethering ourselves back to these foundational basics. So I hope that this has been useful for you. And I would encourage you to not binge on this information. Uh, I would limit your news watching as much as you can. And like I said, get just unbiased data. So thinking about the WHO or the World Health Organization and the CDC for updates on new cases and as much as you can trying to find space for love. You know, Oprah Winfrey once said that there's two main emotions. Everything is based on these two things. One is fear, one is emotion. And while there is a lot of fear and you are very justified in feeling scared, I'm feeling nervous and I'm feeling concerned as well. Try to find space where you can be practicing love, practicing love for your fellow human. If there are elder people in your neighborhood who you know can't get to the grocery store, maybe you can do a grocery run or order something online for delivery for them. This is a time for communities to tether together, albeit through um, through different means that we have in the past. So I hope that you are safe. I hope that you are well. And please share this podcast with anybody that you think needs to hear this information and just reduce some of the hysteria. Do what's necessary because you do need to prepare for it. Uh, buy the toilet paper, buy the hand sanitizer, buy the soap, buy the frozen veggies and the frozen meats. But also Think about how you can be serving other people who are not as fortunate as you and how you can replace some of your fear with love today. So with that, I will end this uh, episode. I hope you are well. My heart and my love goes up to you and your family. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only. And the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed. And the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima and Leverage. 
Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.